hearts in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we're grateful, Lord, to be called by your name. Grateful, Lord, to be able to respond. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit, for you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You'll never change. You'll always be. And, Lord, we want to thank you for this plan of salvation. We want to thank you for the blood, the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for the gospel. And, Lord, until we arrive to the place that we're all fighting for, we pray for overcoming powers. We know, Lord, that we've got battles we must win. And, Lord, we're more than conquerors in you, Lord, because you gave us every power, Lord, available from heaven. You gave it to us that we might, Lord, overcome in this age. We pray, dear God, as we gather together in Christian faith tonight, that you'll forgive us of all of our sins, all of our unbelief, all of our weakness. And, Lord, that you would come in the midst of your people and manifest yourself. We ask, dear God, that you would bless us with your presence. We love you and honor you and thank you. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles, if we can, to John chapter 11. I've got a lengthy uh, scripture reading here tonight. But, um, we're going to start with chapter 11, verse 1. And I may skip some of this, but we'll, uh, let's just start with verse 1 here. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And Jesus heard, it, heard that and said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, and he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And uh, I'm going to skip down just a bit. If you read, you know, if you were to continue to read, you'll find out that Jesus knows that Lazarus is sick and that he knows when he dies. And so when Lazarus dies, then Jesus begins to move. Let's pick back up in verse 17. And when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, which was about two miles. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. 
And Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. And when she had said this, and when she had so said, she went her way, called Mary her sister secretly, saying, Master is come, and calleth for thee. And as soon as she had heard, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. And the Jews which were with her in the house comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out. They followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. And when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou wouldest have been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews weeping, which was with her. He groaned within his spirit, was troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Let's just stop there. May God bless the reading of his word. You can have your seats tonight. I'd like to preach this evening on even now, Lord. And if I was to subtitle the subject tonight, I'd like to call it Attitude, Atmosphere, Confession, and Approach. And uh, this is the only record in the Bible that speaks of Lazarus. We're very familiar with the story of Lazarus, and there's something sacred about the story. There's something that we can relate to as believers in a resurrection and believers in the power of the resurrection. I, I believe there's just some sort of connection to us in the story. And it's only recorded in the book of John, which is the eagle's book, the bride's book. And you'll find that in the book of John, there are seven miracles, and the seventh miracle is the resurrection of Lazarus. And uh, Jesus now, as he was beginning his ministry, he found an open door with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. There was no room in the inn. There was no room in a lot of the churches, and he had to borrow a donkey to ride on or a borrow, you know, a boat to preach in, borrow uh, a grave to be buried in. But somewhere he found compassion and friends in Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and they welcomed him into their home. He was an honored guest in their home. And, you know, uh, Brother Branham spoke of this. He said Lazarus was actually training to be a scribe. He was training in the temple to be a scribe, and he said that uh, Martha and Mary, they were actually, uh, they, they sewed tapestries for the temple. And he said they lost their mommy and their daddy. Somewhere I'd read, I don't know if it's true or not, that Martha may have been a widower or widow. I don't know. But Brother Branham said they were friends before Jesus' public ministry that they had become friends in the little village of Bethany. And that was the same town as Simon the Tanner. And if you remember, Mary was the one in Bethany that anointed Jesus and 
the anointing just permeated the whole place and Judas began to complain about it. And they were friends and they loved each other. Jesus loved them and they loved him. And Brother Branham said that it was Lazarus that told Jesus about the ministry of John the Baptist, that Lazarus was down by the river, heard John preaching, and told Jesus, you need to go see him. And Brother Branham said, little did he know he was talking to the Messiah. How many love the Lord? Brother Branham said, because of their friendship with the Lord as time progressed and the ministry began to go into public view, he said that actually they, they got kicked out of their churches because they were forbidden to go to his meetings and to follow him. So they kicked him out of the churches. And uh, you know, what a place. You know, friends are, come from God. To have a friend that can enter into your burdens. To have a friend, a companion that can share a vision with you. And can talk it over and can pray with you and believe with you and love. There's something about friends. And there's no doubt that Jesus cherished these friends from the bottom of his heart. You know, Brother Branham said when they would come, they would make him meals. They made him the robe without seam. They'd try to give him a place to stay. You know, in his travels, as things were, you know, tough in his life, traveling and being rejected. And if you remember the story, Martha was a real homemaker. And there was a time where Jesus came and she was always trying to prepare a meal or trying to make him comfortable. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to the word and Martha is worried about the cooking and the cleaning and, the, and, and she gets upset at her sister. And she's, you know, baking and cooking and you know how women can be. And she's looking over at her sister sitting at the feet of Jesus and I imagine as she's sitting there listening to the word, she, you know, she's pounding on the, on the bread. And Mary looks over and she's like, come over and help me. And Jesus looks over and she's like. <laughs> Jesus turns his head. And she, <laughs> but you know, pretty soon she got, she got so upset about it. She was so concerned about natural things. She said, Lord, don't you care that I'm buried here? I wasn't expecting company. Everything is in a wreck. My sister is not helping me. When a woman's out of the kitchen, she's out of her place. I imagine Jesus said, you know, that's pretty good. But never does the kitchen come before the word of God. And he said, you're very anxious and concerned about many things. But Mary, in this case, has chosen the better part. And it will not be taken from her. My goodness. It must have really hurt Martha's pride just a bit. But you know, Martha had her problems like all of us do. But because you fail here, get rebuked there, doesn't mean that you're out of the economy of God. Because she had an opportunity in this next story where she shined her colors. She showed what she was all about. Martha showed what was on the inside of her. Can you say amen? Lazarus had become sick. 
prophet of God said that his lungs, hemorrhages of the lungs, maybe tuberculosis, somehow it must have been a terrible, frightful disease. And as he's dying, they would think like any of you and I would think. We have seen him heal the blind. We have seen him, we have seen him time after time. There's nothing that can stand in his presence. Call Jesus, get him here, and it'll all be over. They had full confidence. This is great faith. He'll walk in these doors, it'll be over. The devil will lose his grip. That's a lot of faith. But you know, Jesus done nothing but what pleased the Father. And Jesus was led by vision. Do you believe that? Every move that he made was led by vision. And it's amazing what he says. You know, he he goes four days, they're calling him, and he knows that they're calling him. But he cannot move because God will not let him go there. As a matter of fact, he tells his disciples, he said, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad that I was not there. Brother Branham said, because they would have pressured him to pray for him. And I'm glad that I was not there. But now we are going to go waking. Now is God's time. Can I have just a little more, just a little bit down here? See, God was wanting to use his gift. Now, Jesus loved Mary and loved Martha, and that was established in John chapter 11. He loved them, but not more than God. And it goes to show God is no respecter of persons. Even though God loved them, they had to be tested and tried. Ain't that right? And so Jesus was fulfilling a vision when they said, come, and he keeps going. When God delays, don't worry one bit. God knows what he's doing. All things will work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes God will delay. Sometimes God will make like he don't even hear you. But trust the Lord. It's all under his control. You can imagine how they felt. Oh, he'll be here. He'll be here. And he's getting sicker. They're looking out the window. Where is he? Where is he? And they talk to the runner. Did did you tell him? I told him. Well, where is he? You can imagine how how their hearts are just failing. And he's getting weaker. And he's getting weaker. And you can imagine how they felt. And the hour is very, very dark. Brother Branham said, when things get dark, don't allow yourself to become discouraged. Because discouragement is not of God. Don't allow yourself to become discouraged. And, And notice now, as things, they fed him, they clothed him, they were good to him, and now they need a favor. But now Jesus don't respond when they have a need. You can imagine how the devil would use you as a punching bag like that. How many times I fed him? How many times? And we call one time and he don't come. And we know that he got our message. It was the darkest hour that they ever saw. The city of Bethany was criticizing them. So, oh, you know, this is the healer you had so much confidence in. You left the church. Your family forsook you. And where is he now? Who is there now? Your church is here comforting you. And where is he? 
Nowhere to be found. Out trying to be a popular preacher somewhere. You can imagine how the devil's trying, how he goes after weakness. Everything is looking dark. But you know when things are dark, don't become discouraged. Look real close into the darkness. Brother Branham told a story of, of a German painting. He said it was a real big painting and how horrible it looks, how dark and gloomy it looked from a far away. He said it looked like storm clouds and all kinds of it's just an awful vial. But when you get close, it wasn't storm clouds. It was angels beating their wings. It was God in disguise. This trial was not the devil's doings. It was God's doings. It was God in disguise. God wanting to bring forth his glory. God wanting to reveal his divine purpose. And that's when we hold on until God answers. Don't be discouraged. Have faith in God. It's in those dark hours that God comes riding in. Martha's heart is broken. Her eyes are swollen shut. And, and the prophet of God said, God will send tests and trials to test your attitude. And I really want to labor on that tonight. God was wanting to test Martha's attitude. Could she love him when she loses the closest one to her? Could she still love him when he don't come when she beckons? Do you love the Lord? Now watch this scene unfold. After four days, Jesus says, come, let's wake him. Jesus walking down a, a path somewhere, and the word gets to Martha, the master's coming. He's not there yet, but she, she runs out to meet him. Right. I would have loved to have seen the scene as Martha is running. You can imagine nothing matters. When things are in trouble, your job don't matter. Your bank account don't matter. All that matters is life and God. And right now, nothing matters. And she's running out to meet him. And as she's going to run, you watch her attitude. Watch her approach because it will determine the outcome of this story. Brother Branham said she would have had a right to say, we fed you, we clothed you, we were friends, we got kicked out of the church, and where were you? When we had a need, where were you? He said she had a right to do it. But if she would have done it, the miracle never would have happened. That whole miracle of Lazarus was hinged upon her attitude. At that moment, do you love the Lord? Under pressure, under anxiety, under disappointment, under sorrow, under the burden of tomorrow. And you know how the devil will whip on you when you're under pressure. Everyone is criticizing. The church is there. Everyone's seeing it. How do I defend it? She had a right to rebuke him. 
But we must approach God in humility. You know, many times when we're Christians, we're very humble in the beginning stages, but after a while, they become arrogant. And when we become arrogant, we go backward, not forward. The closer we get to God, the smaller we become. It'll never be any other way. The closer we get to God, the smaller we become and the greater God becomes. There's something about the human nature when God blesses that man wants to become a God. Man wants to become an angel, and I'm quoting directly. Just like Lucifer, the right hand of God. He could have, I mean, how have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, when you were the greatest of all the angels? How have you come to this place? I could say that about a lot of preachers. I could say that about a lot of believers. God is looking for someone, not that will be big in their own eyes, but can humble themselves so God can do something. God does not owe us anything. We owe him everything. Can you say amen? Now watch this. You watch the Shunammite woman. You know, Brother Branham said that Martha was reading about the Shudamite woman and saw that that woman approached Elisha in the right attitude. And so Martha read that story and under the inspiration of that story knew if I can approach him the right way, I'm going to get what I ask for. Ain't that wonderful? Brother Branham said you must Approach the gift of God in the right mental attitude. And Martha came in the right mental attitude. That word attitude means a settled way of thinking. It means uh, uh, a feeling about something that reflects in a person's behavior. So our attitudes will actually determine our salvation. Our attitudes towards the word will actually determine our healing. How many know that every blessing of God is found in the atonement? Any blessing that you could receive from God happened that day at Calvary. And so your attitude towards the blessing of the atonement brings that blessing to you. That's what the prophet of God said. And notice, no matter how blessed at that day at Calvary, he saved every man, he healed every man, but it'll do us no good until we receive it, until we accept it, until we have the right attitude towards it. Ain't that right? And so notice, we must receive the uh, pardon in the correct attitude. Remember the story of Abraham Lincoln, the man that ran in the time of war. And, and they, they were going to put out the firing squad, destroy him. His friend interceded for him, went to Abraham Lincoln, said he was scared. He's a young man, ran in a time of war. Would you have mercy on pardon him? He said, I will, pardoned. Abraham Lincoln, United States president, 
brings it to the man. You're free. You're free. And he said, what is it? And he looked, and it was just a signature on a scrap piece of paper. He said, I'm dying tomorrow. You're mocking me. Get away from me. He said, but you're free. He said, I don't want to see nothing of it. They took him to the firing squad, and they killed him. Well, because they killed him, he had a pardon from the United States president. He went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court judged a pardon is not a pardon unless it's received as a pardon. The cross is only a pardon if you receive it as a pardon. When Christ died, he died for all men. He died for all races. He died for Gentiles. He died for Jews. Now, Israel as a nation has not received one benefit of the atonement for 2,000 years because their attitude toward it. But according to Revelations chapter 11, two prophets will come and reveal to them they crucified their Messiah and they will receive 144,000 will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in one day. He never changed the atonement. He changed their attitude towards the atonement. So their attitude toward the atonement is what brings a blessing to you and I. Ain't that right? And our future is determined by our attitude. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking, I won't get healed? You'll get what you're thinking about. Or have you determined in your heart that God will do it? Don't pack your sin back home. Don't pack that unbelief. Don't pack your disease back home. You don't have to pack it home. Believe God. Have the right attitude. Many times our minds are distracted even in a service like this. Our minds are distracted by, you know, the things that we got to do, office work or things back home. And we should never allow it to distract us from setting our affections on God and setting our attitude because our attitude is the way we think. And when we become formal in our thinking, we rob ourselves of the blessings that are available. Notice this, Philippians, if you will. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Everybody love the Lord. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Amen. Brother Branham said, now just around the corner, when you keep or when you get to thinking of divine healing, keep him on your mind. Any thought that comes by, well, maybe it can't be so. Get it off your mind right quick and think on the positive. Never let a negative thought pass through. Don't let it stop. Keep your thoughts positive. That would be a great help to us. Because the way you think is your attitude. I want to read this to you to give you an idea. 
This is coming out of a discernment. God's provided way 1953. Come here, lady. Do you believe with all your heart? There's a woman really serious in serious trouble. The woman's got a mental nervousness. Look, your worst trouble is late in the evening. Along toward night, you get gloomy and worried, and you get weak. You can't hardly stand up. You have to sit down. You're all tore up. And what it is, lady, it's nothing to hurt you. It's premature time, a change of life. It's menopause. It's a gloomy shadow. It's nothing but a lie of the devil. You're all right. You're going to get all right. Look, will you do He prayed for? Will you do what I tell you to do? Go out of here just as happy as you can be. Get all that gloomy war down. You drop down into this cycle here, and when you get up, look up here and believe up here and say, thank you, God. Go on and be happy, and you'll get well. If you don't, you are headed for a lot of trouble. Go believing. So here's a woman in menopause. And Brother Benham said, there's nothing wrong. It's the devil trying to oppress you in your time of life. Now you do what I say. Be happy. See, this is all about attitude. When you face the day, you need to get up and say, devil, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy in my house, happy on my job, happy in church. I'm going to be a happy mother, a happy father, a happy student. I'm going to be happy. But if you don't, trouble is coming. So this attitude determines the future. Keep your meditations upon God. Our thoughts should never be negative. The gospel is positive. The message is positive. The message is not negative. We are negative. God is positive. Do you love the Lord? When I hurt you off, I had them turn, turn this up just a little more. I'm struggling. Is it too loud? Can I get a little more, please? We're to make every thought positive, bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought that we think should be positive, rejecting the negative. Every word that we speak should be positive. If the gospel is positive, then the children of the kingdom are positive. We think positive. We talk positive. We believe positive. Because all things are possible to them that believe. Can you say amen? It is vitally important that we are a positive thinking people. Because negativity is unbelief. Many a times we hide behind excuses, which is negativity. We, we project that it, our case is hopeless when God says that's not true. It's our attitudes that determine what we are right now as a Christian, as a wife, as a servant of God. Our attitudes determine everything. How many say, Lord, 
I want a better attitude. God, clean my heart from negativity. Clean my heart from thinking negative. And we could preach a long time on the greatest battle ever fought. It begins in the mind. You reject the false and you accept the true and the devil cannot do anything until you first let him in. Brother Branham said, do not entertain negativity. The way you think will determine your future. Did you know your, your thoughts is what you are? Your thoughts is what you are. I'm, I'm quoting now. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God in the beginning was with his eternal thoughts. His eternal thoughts was expressed in word and then in flesh. The thought never changed. The thought became flesh. And Brother Branham said, just as God is his own thoughts, so are we our own thoughts. What you are is inwardly. Jesus said it. He said, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defileth him, but what cometh out. And he said, on the inside is adultery and all kinds of things. A man can be clean on the outside, but be an adulterer on the inside. That's why the Pharisees, he said, you're clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead man's bones. You are what you think. Okay, I'm gonna, God help me, help me to bring this clear. After the opening of the seals, Brother Brandon preaches a message called Standing in the Gap. And he begins to tell a testimony of how he had a brother-in-law named Fletcher Broy. Fletcher Broy was an alcoholic. Everybody with me tonight? And Fletcher Broy was his brother-in-law. He was a drunk. Brother Brandon had a dream, and, you know, he, he relays the story. I'm sure you know it. I don't want to go through all of it. But Brother Branham is driving down the road. Billy Paul is asleep next to him. That's a lot better, thank you. And so he's, he's driving down the road, and he's thinking, you know, the people are not receiving my message. I think I'll just go into the mountains, and I'll just become a hermit. i just go there and live there. But he had a problem, and that problem was Mita. Because Mita was not a wilderness girl. And you know, most of even the women around here, we need to be within a 20-mile proximity of Walmart or somewhere. And this was 1,100 miles from anything. Brother Branham said, I won't even have to cut my hair. Won't even have to shave. Me and Bud will be trappers. Now, now let let me tell you, this isn't lust. This isn't thoughts about harming people or killing people. This is just thoughts of a man living in God's country. Man, I'll catch me some good fish when when I'm not doing God's work. And even said, I'll stomp out and say, thus saith the Lord. I'll stomp back into the wilderness and boy, I'll catch me some fish. The Spirit of the Lord comes down and he says, carry on with your plans and you'll be that, a bum. Then he changed his attitude. Lord, I don't want to be that. 
I want to be something else. This is our prophet. And because of the rejection of the message, his mind began to do what any normal person would do, is withdraw and isolate. And because he's entertaining these thoughts, it's going to make him become a bum. Not a prophet of God. And Brother Brenham said, see, you've got to come back to the word. Because God's word said he was Malachi that would forerun the coming of Christ. But our minds will take us into unbelief and take us into failure. But let the mind that was in Christ be in you. Let the word be your thoughts. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? Center your thoughts on Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Let God's thoughts become our thoughts. Kick out your thoughts. Our feelings don't matter. It's God's feelings that matter. I know my thoughts of you of peace to give you an expected end. Do you know you can't be in your thoughts and be in the will of God? Because God's ways are not our ways. But we have got to align our ways with his ways. The carnal mind is enmity with God. We should never have a negative testimony. We should say what God says. Let the weak say that I am strong. Listen to this quote. He said, notice healing is something you just say, well, I believe it. I accept it. Then if you accept it on that basis, keep saying it over and over. Say it loud. Say it over and over. Just keep saying, I am healed. I am healed. Say it until you actually believe it. And when you believe it, it's going to take place. You don't have to have a negative testimony. Every time you confess, I still feel bad today, then that puts you back. Here's another one. The right mental attitude. That's right. The right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. Now, maybe you don't believe that. You say, well, my faith is weak. I wouldn't confess that. Don't let the devil know that. Always say, I've got good faith. I believe God with all my heart. Testify nothing of the devil. When you accept him as your healer, don't ever act sick or crippled anymore. Believe that you are healed. Take him at his word. Ain't that wonderful? In order to stay with God, stay gentle. God is gentle. Stay meek. Don't ever be self-sufficient. Always rely upon him. Never use your own mind. Take his thoughts. Let his thoughts be your thoughts. Take them into your carnal mind and repeat them over and over. Oh, God, take away my doubt. Let your thoughts become my thoughts. You sick people, take away, cast away the thought of sickness. Cast away the thought of failure. Cast away the thought of unbelief. Cast away the thought of being lost. And put in your mind God's promise. He loves me. He died for me. He saved me. He set me free. Think God's thoughts. Drive back the negativity. And when we gather together and I'm pushing out the negative, you're pushing out the negative, and we're gathering together, we come together.
is in Christ. You're prayed up. I'm prayed up. We're all set together. And what could happen when all the negativity is driven out and the mind of Christ is in his people? Revelations, visions, interpretations, knowledge, heavenly places in Christ. Not one cigarette smoked among us. Not one short dress. Not one evil thought. Not anyone against anyone. But everyone is in harmony. That's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They came together in one mind, one accord, one attitude. And the power of God fell. Remember what the angel of the Lord told Brother Branham? He said, get the people to believe. And then he said this. This is amazing. He told Brother Branham this specifically. Your thoughts in heaven is louder than your words on earth. Your thoughts is being recorded right now. What you think is being documented. Everything, every moment. And so many times when they came up in the prayer line, Brother Branham said, let me talk to you for a minute because I want to to get your attitude right before I pray. And did you know if he could get their attitude right, he wouldn't even have to pray because believing would bring you right to the promise. Thousands of testimonies, even sarcoma's cancer healed just by the right mental attitude. This is not spiritual. This is mental. The right mental attitude towards God's promise. But Brother Branham said that mental attitude will become a spiritual revelation. How many believe that? And, and this is astounding. Brother Branham was getting ready to pray for the sick, and he said, now, Watch because epilepsy jumps. And he said, especially kids are vulnerable. And he said, oh, friends. He said, to no spiritual things, how words will change spiritual attitudes. He said, just as he heard me say that, epilepsy began to move. When we entertain darkness, when we entertain negativity, When we fill our hearts with unbelief and don't fight it, just succumb to it, then we become powerless group of people. The angel said, get the people to believe and your attitude will make a difference. So when we preach God's promises, people begin to push back and fight the devil back and they receive their deliverance. When we preach faith, the power of God begins to fall and and people get set free. We testify the power of God. We testify he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We testify his word can't fail. And our gathering together to him is an attitude. Prophet of God said it. It is an attitude in which we gather. And he said, if we get in the right attitude, there will not be one feeble left among us. It's an attitude of believing. It's an attitude of faith, not emotion. It's an attitude of faith, and that'll bring emotion. But it's an attitude of believing, binding ourselves together, believing together. And that brings the presence of God. And no one, say no one. 
no one with the right attitude will be turned away. There's an approach to God. And there's nothing more important in the world than being right here, right now. That should be our attitude. We're at the end time. We're at the end of all things. There should be nothing more important than what we're speaking of right here as we're contending for the faith. Do you love the Lord? How many say, Lord, help me to have the right attitude? And this is beautiful because it ain't rocket science. You don't have to be a born to be a prophet to have faith. He said the right mental attitude. He said this is for the weakest Christians. The right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. Can you say amen? So now Martha, she's coming out to meeting. I want you to see this scene. I'm not going to hold you long tonight. And Martha, she's coming. Watch how she approaches him. She comes to him with the right mental attitude. And she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. The first thing she did was give him the right title. I am recognizing you as Lord. You are my king. You are deity. You are the authority. I still have confidence in you. You're still the Messiah. I still believe in you. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I've not lost my faith in you. I still believe in you. I don't understand, but I reverence you. I respect you. I believe you. That's the kind of approach that we take to God. Never an attitude. But Lord, I don't deserve anything. But I respect this message with all my heart. I believe the word with all that's in me. I don't have to understand it, Lord. First thing she did, Lord... If, you're, if my brother would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He said, your brother shall rise again. Her eyes, I imagine, are swollen shut from crying for four days. I imagine she can't hardly think. She's tired. She's been up, can't sleep. And she said, Lord, if you would have been here. He said, he'll rise. And out of her mouth come these words. Bear with me. Even now, Lord, even in this condition, he's been dead four days. Worms are crawling through his body. Even now, Lord, I know whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. Brother Branham said what she said turned the heart of the Messiah. And this is astounding because he says this over and over. When she said, even now, Lord, it moved his heart. And all of a sudden, cogs began to turn. Hallelujah. It turned his heart in the face of death. She, he still, she believed him. In the face of criticism, she still believed him. Even now, Lord, something can happen right now. I never lost my faith. I never lost my expectation. I never lost my confidence. Even now, Lord, a revival can break out across.
put your heart in order with God and heaven will come down. Set your attitude towards God. Set your affection toward God and watch heaven fall down. Like wind blowing into the sails. The wind of God will blow through this building. Let your faith catch it and take you out of your trial. Take you out of that depression. Take you up out of that pit and set you up on an eagle's cliff. Blow, Lord Jesus. Even now, Lord, you can send a Pentecostal revival. It'll shake the world. Even now, Lord, you can heal me right where I'm sitting. You can save me right where I'm sitting. Even now, Lord, God, give me that kind of attitude. Brother Branham uses a terminology. He said, all of a sudden, when an honest heart meets God and that faith connected with an omnipotent God, the cogs begin to move. Heaven began to move. Faith in contact with God will bring the power of God to his people. There's certain things that we can say that will actually touch the heart of God. You remember the story, Banks Woods. This is astounding to me. They're out there fishing, and they just got saved, the, the Woods brothers. And there's a, a woman up on the hill. She used to make them boys butter sandwiches. And they're just fishing. And he said, you know, to his brother Banks, said, you know, we ought to go up to that hill yonder. Tell that old lady it used to make us those sandwiches that we got saved. And Brother Branham said, there's certain things that you say that'll touch the Holy Spirit. And no sooner than it came off his lips, something struck Brother Branham. He said, thus saith the Lord, there will be a resurrection of a small creature. Remember Hattie Wright when he was talking about those squirrels, he said, it had to be Jehovah Jireh. She said, Brother Branham, that ain't nothing but the truth. Brother Branham said, the power of God struck that place. And he said, thus saith the Lord. There's certain things that you can say, and it's not what you say. It's the attitude in which you say it. Brother Branham said, I'm wanting to see something happen. It's going to be the attitude of the people towards the message. He's talking about the third pull. It'll be the attitude of the people towards the message. He said, remember the Seraphonician woman. She said, Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed of a devil. He wouldn't even answer her. Lord, Lord, he said, it's not fit to give the children's bread to the dogs. Your race is a bunch of dogs. And Brother Branham said, if she would have stomped off, that attitude would have cut off the blessing. But oh no, she had a determined attitude. Yes, the dogs do eat the crumbs, but that's all I'm asking, Lord, is let a crumb fall from heaven. Let it fall in my corner. Let it fall in my pew. Let it fall behind this pulpit. Lord, I don't want to be a big shot. I just want a crumb. I want to sit at the foot of the master's table. It shook Jesus. 
Brother Branham said several times, that got him. And when that got him, he said, for this thing, he, he, that's all he said, for this thing, your daughter as well. What an attitude. Do you love the Lord? Brother Branham said, it's your attitude, friends. Did not he say it? You've got to believe it. Believe the message, not the messenger. Believe the message. He's talking about the third pole. He's talking about Hattie Wright saying the right thing, but it was the attitude that she had that was behind what she said. Do you love the Lord? Believest thou this, 1951? There he was. God was in his son reconciling his world to himself. She knew it. She run up to him with the right attitude. Said, Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, Lord, God will do it. She was at the right place before the right divine person with the right mental attitude, speaking the right words, believing the right things. And those cogs went to working together. You know what cogs are? You remember the, the big old like teeth, like two wheels coming together. And, and back in the old mills, they would push a lot of power when those teeth would come together. See, God needs a branch. The vine needs a branch. God needs a church. It ain't just God come down, God come down. We have something to do. And so it's our attitude that brings the power of God, the blessing of God, the atonement. It's our attitude toward the atonement. I want to read this to you. Even now, Lord, my brother, though he's embalmed, though he's buried, though he's stinking in the grave, whatever you ask, God will give him. That's the keynote. And he said, when he said that, he said, thy brother shall rise again. All of a sudden, he begins to respond to her attitude and to her words. And she said, I believe it, Lord. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, would you have real faith when those cogs go to meeting together? It's going to turn. Something is going to happen. The power is on both sides. The power of faith. The little wheel turned by faith. The big turned by the power of God. And those things get to turning and make it light up. It takes two pieces of material. The dynamo turning together. It's you that'll make light. It's faith. It'll make power. It'll make healing. And when the believer and God gets to turning together, it generates the power of his resurrection. When the believer takes the word into their heart and begin to generate, it brings forth faith. And the cogs are moving. It'll produce healing. It'll produce salvation. It'll produce miracles. Because the attitude of the people is in harmony with God and all of a sudden the power of heaven begins moving. 
How many say, yes, Lord, even now? How many knows that that resurrection was amateur compared to the one we're living in right now? I believe that God has a people on earth that's attitude and affection is set on him. Whatever he says, she says amen. And all heaven's power is moving. It'll raise the dead. Hallelujah. As soon as she said it, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Faith struck. And he said, where have you laid him? How many say even now, Lord? I want to touch your heart right now. I want to see you come on the scene right now. So where have you laid him? Now, the wrong motive will never bring forth the power of God. If we're seeking power to make ourselves big shots, we'll never see the power of God. If our motive was to be big shots, big churches, big names, we'd never see the power of God. But we want to see God big. We want to see the message manifest. We want to see the resurrection vindicated. We want to see the glory of God. Did not I tell you if you would believe you would see the glory of God? We're not looking for the glory of men. We're looking for the glory of God. God in his people. The power of the resurrection in his people, in his church. Even now, Lord, I need faith right now. I need a positive confession right now. Even now, Lord. Amen. How many love the Lord? Where have you laid him? So they take their journey to Lazarus' tomb. The people are weeping. And Jesus begins to weep. Jesus wept. They said, how he must have loved him. And then Jesus says something real strange. He tells Mary and Martha, roll away the stone. Brother Bram said, now that's not a gentleman. Here's just two little ladies. And, and he says, you roll it away. He said, why didn't he roll it away himself? He says, because you've got something to do. Now I'm giving you a picture of the resurrection. We have something to do. He said, you roll away the stone. You can imagine as they start rocking. They get the stick and they're prying. And Jesus. Come on, Mary. Come on. You stepped on my foot. And they push it back. You can imagine four days dead. Worms are crawling through the body. The nose is sunk in. Maggots is crawling through. The stench probably just pushed people back as the human body was decaying. And this is when Jesus stepped forth. They did all they could do. They moved away the stone. 
Now here's an empty hole and a stench coming out of that hole, and it looked totally impossible. But she said, even now, Lord. His voice was never heard in the streets, but this particular time he raised his voice, and he called Lazarus. The Bible said that Jesus is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd knows every sheep by name. He knows every one of us, and he cares about every one of us. It's amazing to think that God would know your name. Do you realize when we all see him in a corporal body, what a shocking thing that'll be, and we'll all see him at the same time. You know, Brother Branham said that's the order of the resurrection. He said, first, we meet together and we'll say, is, is Brother Tim there? Is Brother uh, Timothy there? Is Brother Aaron there? And he said, we'll all be seeing his mama there. We'll be looking around, making sure everyone's together. He said, but then when we're caught up for the first time collectively, we will all set our eyes on him at the same time. Paul will see him at the same time you see him. Brother Branham will see him at the same time that you see him. You can imagine what it'll be when we all set our eyes on him. But it is amazing when he looks at you, he will not look at you as a stranger. He will look at you and you will be known and he will call you by your name. He knows your name right now. So when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Brother Branham said if he would have not said Lazarus, every dead believer would have started coming up out of the grave by the power of his call. Lazarus, come forth. And somewhere his spirit was out in the spirit realm, four days gone. He called that spirit back into that body. And all that ointment and all that perfume that was soaked began to soak those those wrappings and life came back in and that embalming fluid turned into blood and life came. He, he breathed into it and he stood. He called him to his feet and he stood to his feet and out of that tomb come walking a man that was dead four days. Even now, Lord... I was that man. I was dead in sins and trespasses. I was rotten in sin, but I heard his voice come forth, and out of that dark tomb came Craig Moore. Out of that dark tomb came Brother Aaron, came you, came me. Even now, Lord, if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he is calling your name calling you out of sin calling you out of unbelief calling us out of Babylon I can only imagine how Martha felt it paid to have a right attitude I imagine Mary wept Martha wept I imagine they felt like they were in a vortex culminating I imagine the glory of God was falling. People were screaming. I would have liked to have seen that scene. But you realize right now, we're in the midst of a resurrection. Right now. We are on our way to the body change. We have already been resurrected out of sin, lifted up into heavenly places by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And Brother Branham said that same voice that turned us around will be the same voice that calls us up. How many appreciate the voice of the Lord? And I want to say this. You don't have to live in defeat. Let's set our affections on God. Say, even now, Lord, there's no fault with you. There's no fault with the message. I would never dare speak about it, but Lord, I've sure maybe entertained things in my heart that I shouldn't have. How many say, Lord, forgive me? I want the right attitude. It ain't what you say. It's the attitude behind what you say. All of us can say that's nothing but the truth. But what will make the difference is the attitude behind it. I want my attitude to be real. I want to love God with all my heart. I want my life not to be hypocritical, but I want to be in an attitude of faith that I live for God. If I was the only one standing, I'm going to live for him because I love him. If Brother Craig disappoints me, if every preacher backslides, I'm still going to stand for Jesus because I love him. Is that your attitude tonight? How many say, Lord, I, I've been troubled about many things. I've been a Martha. But boy, she sure shined in this story. I want to be like Martha. I've had my failures. I've had my problems. Don't let that hold you back. Let's go to him. Let's run to him now. And say, even now, Lord, even now, let us stand to our feet. As the musicians will come. Can we bow our heads in a word of prayer? God, as we bow our heads, we just want to take a time of soft consecration as we search our hearts, we search our attitudes, and we look into a place that no man can see but that individual in God. I believe it was David with an honest heart that cried, search me, O Lord, and try me if there be any wicked thing in me. God can help us to take the things in which we heard, to drive out all negativity, to be positive and to speak your word. Help us, dear God, not to entertain terrible thoughts, evil thoughts, even grudges, oughts against one another and petty little differences. Those little foxes spoil the vine. It's those little things that we leave undone that just saps us of the power of God. Lord, even if there's children, maybe oughts, Resentment towards their parents. Things they've never voiced but carried in their heart. I ask, oh God, you and your amazing grace would come and cleanse us of all of that unbelief, Lord. Heal us, dear God. You know, Lord, our frame. You know we're but dust. Lord, we can't do anything without you. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, you start at this pulpit. God, I want to be real. 
I want the right attitude, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, you forgive us all. Help us all, Lord. We believe your word, and we're not ashamed of it. I pray, dear God, with anyone, Lord, that have just seemed to be stuck, spiritually stuck. We're asking, dear Lord, you just come down, Lord, and move on our hearts. We want to roll away the stone. God, you know, Lord, our hearts. We want to do anything that you desire of us. We're rolling away the stone tonight. Give us grace. Give us mercy. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What's your plan? Go ahead. Just sing that as we pray. How long?